Well, my career started a long, long time ago in 1929 when I was just 17. After a rather a sheltered school in a Church of England College for Girls Limited, I enrolled as a student in the School of Architecture attached to the Birmingham School of Art. And I was plunged into a first-year group of 15 rather crude Birmingham secondary school youth who just refused to speak to me. <laughs> After six months' isolation, I learned to swear, which miraculously changed their attitude to me. <laughs> I was by no means the first woman to train there. There were, in fact, three women in the year about me. Rather wealthy, I think, and just filling in time before marriage. And there was even one more in the year above that, a rather lovely remote type. And they all seemed to cope okay and passed out successfully, and then just faded into obscurity. My first year finished in a friendly atmosphere, so at the beginning of the second year, when four or five of us decided we wanted to attend the evening carpentry class, which the school ran for building apprentices, I thought I was okay. The boys were gladly accepted, but I was told that it would spoil the atmosphere of the class. I appealed to the head of the art school, who just said it was no concern of his. So I just gave in. My next setback came after the end of the third year, when we were encouraged to spend the long back working with a builder. But no one would have me, and again I just gave up. By fourth year I had decided my main interest was housing, so fifth year was spent making studies and producing a scheme for a thesis, which fortunately I lost, because all I remember about it is there were a lot of five-story slab blocks in it. When I passed out in 1934 there was a slump, but I decided nevertheless I couldn't stand working in Birmingham, and I was moved to London, much to the dismay of my family, who thought London a very wicked place. After much searching, I found a job mainly designing first church furniture, and I was paid a wage of two pounds a week for this. And that was about half the wage a man would get, but I just accepted that as well. And I worked there for two whole years, and then was lucky enough to lend a job in a larger and livelier firm, Robert Atkinson, quite well known before the war. And first I worked under Chief Assistant on Production Drawings for the Barber Institute of Fine Arts in Birmingham University. And I remember two things about that job. Firstly, we had to incorporate a secret gallery in it, never to be visited by anyone, to house 53 excruciating portraits of Mr. Barber's wife. <laughs> the other thing I remember is that following school practice, I always put centre lines on symmetrical buildings. In the, in the centre of the front elevation was a panel of herringbone brickwork on which I drew a centre line, and I was faithfully built in. <laughs> Following that job, I was promoted a bit, and I had Hackney Police Corps all on my own, except that the bosses with the normal practice and had produced 60 sketches handed to me, and then I was all right. And it, I did most of the production drawings on my own, and it went forward to building. I had a very efficient and elderly clerk of works, and an excellent builder, and no discrimination whatsoever. And I began to get a bit of confidence. During the period I was in Atkinson's office, I decided I wanted to write my experience and be a planner as well. And I therefore took an evening course at the School of Planning, which was attached to the Architectural Association. And when that was finished, I decided I wanted to leave that job. And I had been to Sweden for my holidays and decided they were producing the sort of housing work I was most interested in. So in April 
1939, I started work in the County Architect's Office in Uppsala, where I worked in a variety of jobs, including the ladies' lavatory in the university library, a telephone exchange in the children's home. And after a year, in 1940, my work permit was withdrawn because of the war. And I moved to Stockholm and filled in the next two years by getting married and producing a son. And I then got rather restless and longed to start working again. Unfortunately, I was able to find the nanny, and I started to work in the planning office for Stockholm County, where the work consisted in vetting planning applications and preparing layouts for rural communities. After a year, I decided this work was quite remote from the sort of housing I was really interested in. So I moved to the Gothenburg planning officer, where I worked on housing and playground layouts. The system was really very rigid at that time. All housing layouts, including those for private development, were prepared in the planning office in the greatest detail. All roads and every single block, width, height and length, was decided on the town plan. And there appeared to be no resistance from architects in private practice, which was very funny, I thought. There were even fewer women architects in Sweden than here. But I met no discrimination whatsoever in salary or work. And the only time I had a snub was from an elderly architect who informed me that I was very welcome to attend architects' meetings, as long as I didn't outstay my welcome and stay to have supper with them afterwards. But my workmates were really furious with them, and I always made a point of staying to supper after that. Early in 1945, after two years in Gothenburg, I decided to come home. I was getting divorced and was sorted with plans and architects in England. And I joined the Ministry of Town and Country Planning in the Cambridge Regional Office, where I stayed a year and decided I really wasn't interested in that sort of planning at all. And I joined a small Cambridge firm of architects and worked on rural housing schemes for a year, which I enjoyed very much, but the salary was so meagre I couldn't live on it. So I moved to the Ministry of Housing and Local Government, where I vetted housing sites and private architect schemes in the whole of East Anglia. Then I decided with a son to educate, I'd better play safe and apply for a permanent civil service job. I did this and I was accepted, and then told that my salary would now be docked by a third because I was a woman. And I left, of course, and joined Stevenage Development Corporation in its early stages, which was being tackled, I thought, in a very exciting way, because planners, architects, landscape architects and sociologists were working closely together in the same groups. But unfortunately, things went wrong, and after two years, in 1950, I moved to London County Council, where a new housing division had just been set up. And there I spent 11 very happy years with a marvellous team, comprising about 15 architects, men, women, draftsmen, Scandinavians, just all sorts. And they worked out very well indeed. We produced some pretty good housing, I think, between us. The best site we had was Roehampton East a large site with over 700 dwellings, which was already superbly landscaped around old houses. And after that, we had many smaller sites, mostly built in similar style and materials. But at the end of 1962, I was promoted to the job of supervising other groups, and my own work was taken away from me. So I asked for a transfer to the town development, where work was just starting on extension to Andover. And I had a building group again, but unfortunately there were problems, and in 1963 I moved again to the newly set up architect's department in Lambeth, where I again had a very good and efficient group, and worked on an interesting variety of schemes and old people's conflicts, consisting of home and sheltered accommodation, a nurse's hostel and some large housing sites. 
1967, I moved again to the housing department, the housing development directory in the Department of the Environment. And there I worked under Pat Tinder, the very first time I had worked under a wing in all these years. First I worked on the outer search and then took over on the last stages of the scheme of prefabricated timber houses, working closely with the building regulation department. And this, of course, was inspired by Pat's visit to the States, where she closely studied timber houses. And then in 1972, at the age of 60, I finished my public career and moved to rural Wales, where I started a new modest sort of career, which really started off quite glamorously, half a house for a dame and a window for Lindsay. But now it consists mainly of putting bathrooms in cottages for local inhabitants, which I still enjoy. I'm afraid I feel rather fraud coming here and talking to you about such an adventurous career, when you have heard such interesting things. But perhaps it's a bit of a contrast anyhow.